Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's message. Be sure to tune in to whatever Bethesda Church is doing on our website, BethesdaChurch.tv, or check us out on Instagram or Facebook. Now, let's jump into today's message. Man, you guys look amazing, sound amazing. Come on, give it up for Jesus right now. Yes. Man, I've got a word for you, so I hope you're ready. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 16. Um, As you're turning there, I do want to welcome you to First Wednesday. Uh, Glad that you're here. I believe that God wants to put something in your heart tonight, but I also believe that God wants to release something in atmosphere tonight. Amen. So Acts chapter 16, uh, starting in verse number 16, it says, now it happened as, as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her masters much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. And this she did for many days. But Paul, everybody say Paul. Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. I don't know about you, but I'm ready to trouble our city. It says, (laughs) They teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there came a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice saying, do not do yourself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house, and he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. How many of this is revival right here? It says, now when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them and he rejoiced having believed 
in God with all his household. And when it was day, the magistrate sent the officers saying, let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul saying, the magistrates have sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. But Paul said to them, they have beaten us openly uncondemned Romans and have thrown us into prison and now do they put us out secretly? No indeed. Let them come themselves and get us out. And the officers told these words to the magistrates and they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. So when they went out of the prison, they entered the house of Lydia. And when they had seen the brethren, they encouraged them and departed. Acts chapter, I wanted to read the whole chapter, but I skipped the first 15 verses. So much to talk about in this, in this uh, chapter of the book of Acts. But I want to preach a message to you tonight entitled, Snakes in the Garden. I'm coming for you. Snakes in the garden. Now, let's start right here. Um, you can do what you believe you can do in life. How many know that? You can do what you believe you can do. We're, we're believers. We believe that God can do anything. He has the ability to do anything, but oftentimes he's limited um, because of our lack of faith. Many people are willing to believe that Jesus can save them, but their faith never moves beyond salvation. And because their faith never moves beyond salvation, the enemy causes them to become inadequate or even obsolete. And this isn't that God can't, but rather that God moves according to our faith. All things are still possible to the one that believes. Anybody feel what I'm saying right now? All things are still possible to the person who believes. And so we have to be careful when it comes to our faith because it's possible to have strongholds be developed through religious talk that is not scriptural. Some of you may need an example of what I'm talking about, and I will gladly give you a few examples of what I'm talking about. I've heard some Christians say things real foolish, like God gave me this sickness to teach me something. Um, I, I don't serve a God that gives people sickness or has to use sickness to teach you a lesson. The Bible tells me he gave me the Holy Ghost to teach me. It isn't that I can't learn from something that happened to me because God is so good that he can cause the thing he didn't even send your way to serve you. How many know he's that good that he can do it, but he's that, he doesn't send me a sickness to teach me a lesson. That's not the God I serve. Another example would be how uh, in religious circles, and especially in our culture, uh, a lot of people prefer smallness over greatness. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. I've even heard people say I would come to your church if it was smaller. Uh, they prefer smaller, smallness over greatness. They're skeptical of things that are successful, but they celebrate things that are small and dysfunctional. I'm going to give you one more. Some people will say things like, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. Um, 
Let me just call that what it is. I'll be nice at first here. That is a mental mountain that you need to get over. That is a hurdle that you need to get over. And, and that's, that's me putting it real nice, but really, if I really wanted to call it what it is, it is a stronghold that's produced by a demon because the only house God said he would build is his house, and he's not gonna build your house until you help build his house. I'm, I'm telling you, I came with a word tonight. We gotta deal with some of this religious verbiage that has done nothing but produce strongholds in the minds of people. Anybody want what God has to really say, right? Like, do we want to hear what God says about it? And so strongholds happen uh, in a person's life because they come into agreement with something that does not line up with the word of God. And so let, let me say it like this. Whatever spirit you want to be delivered from, you must first fall out of agreement with it. You can't be, be delivered from something that you are still in agreement with. The way strongholds are formed is through agreement. The enemy sends something your way and the moment you agree with it and take the bait of it, then it becomes a stronghold. I can be saved and still have snakes in my garden. I, I can be... I, I can love Jesus and have snakes in my garden. In the Bible, the term snake or serpent used approximately 80 times. And almost every single one of the times that it is used, the reference point is not good. Uh, so much so that even in our culture, if, if someone says he or she is a snake in the grass, how many, that's not good. That, that, that is not, come on y'all, that you don't want to be called a snake in the grass. And, and so biblically, and even in our culture, when we think about a snake, we think about something sneaky. We think about something deceitful. We think about something that is sinful. In Genesis chapter three, verse one, it says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. So the snake is subtle. It is sneaky. The snake maneuvers himself in such a way that he can find entrance into your heart and entrance into your relationships, watch this, without you even knowing that he's there. The devil does not show up in your life and say, hi, I'm Lucifer, I'm here to destroy you. He's a snake, he's subtle, he's sneaky. He's deceitful. He finds a way in without your knowledge that he's even there. And the devil is always the third voice in your life. The third voice. In the Garden of Eden, there was the voice of God and there was the voice of Adam. Everything was fine as long as there was two voices. But then there came a third voice. And when Adam took the bait of the third voice, that's when he got tripped up. We got to get back to what God has said and then you and I repeating what God has said. And anything that challenges what God has said and I repeating what God has said, that's a third voice. You better stop. I don't, need, I don't need you to place yourself between God's mouth and my ear. That's what happened in the garden. 
Satan positioned himself between the mouth of God and, and the ear of man. And you got to be careful about those sly voices in your life that try to talk you out of, of the very thing God is trying to bring you into. In the midst of, of, of all this chaos in Genesis chapter 3, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, God shows up and gives a prophetic word in Genesis 3.15. And he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So it's a prophetic word where, where God is saying there will be a feud or a fight or a battle between the woman and the woman's seed and Satan. How many of you understand that the woman is symbolic of the church? The church is always used in the feminine sense. That we are, some of y'all struggle, we are the bride of Christ. All right? So, so, and, and we see it in Genesis, this feud, this battle that has taken place between the woman and Satan, this, this battle that takes place, it continues into the church, and we can see it all the way, prophetically speaking, in the book of Revelation, when the dragon is making war against the woman. Who's the woman? That's the church. God was saying that until this thing winds down, there will be a battle between the woman, the church, my bride and the enemy but he said you will crush his head but you're healed I came to tell somebody that you may be fighting it may be a battle but the devil is already under your feet you need to take your feet and put it on the head of your adversary in your rightful place of authority See, the church is supposed to produce a spiritual atmosphere to such a degree that it is not comfortable for demon spirits to attack people. In Luke 10, 19, it says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Um, that scripture, a lot of us, we, we know people have taken that as, let's go find some copperheads. Let's get us some rattlesnakes up in the church. But what people miss, they, they can't, they just, they don't read their Bible. Because the serpent that he's talking about in Luke chapter 10 is the same serpent he's talking about in Genesis chapter 3. He's not saying go out and find some copperheads and drink poison, but he is talking about you have power over that serpent, the same one that tricked Adam, the same one that deceived Eve, that wants to put venom and bitterness in your heart. That's the poison he's talking about, that he's given us power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Anybody believe what I'm talking about right now? And when we talk about spiritual warfare, it's not an attempt to produce fear. It's not an attempt to make you more conscious of demons, but it's to bring you to a place that you're so confident in what God has done in your life that when you show up, demons leave. That when you walk into a room that is out of order, that you start putting it back into order. 
And you better get ready for a battle because God only moves when things are in alignment and when things are in order and you always got a few jokers that want to get outside of God's order, outside of God's alignment and want to say, hey, I've heard from the Lord. No, you haven't. Be like Paul and say, that devil's got to go. That devil's got to come out until you bring that thing into alignment with the order of God. I'm going to preach this thing tonight. I don't know about anybody else, but, but I have learned that the enemy will take whatever I surrender to him. And I, I came up in here tonight to let everybody know and the devil, I don't plan on surrendering anything to the devil. Not my health, not my family, not my marriage, not my kids, not this church, not my money, not my mind. I'm not surrendering anything to the devil. It doesn't belong to him. Some of you just got to get that anointing stirred back up. You used to not take any junk from the devil, but for whatever reason, a pandemic got you crazy. You got to pull yourself back together and decide, I'm anointed. I'm powerful. I'm going to stir up the gift of God on the inside of me. I'm not taking any more junk from the enemy, but I'm going to become who God has called me to become. I may not get done with this one. I may not get done. In the book of Acts, I know y'all are like, oh, Acts 16, where's that? I'm getting there, but I gotta get you ready for it. There are three levels of spiritual warfare. Let me give them to you real quick. Number one, it's a person who has been demonized. This is the one that gets all the attention. This is the one that make, they make movies about. You know, the head spinning, people puking. Bruh. Loud voices. Uh, but you need to know that's the lowest level of demonic activity. The one we get all spooked out, it's the lowest form. One person demonized. Um, and, 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 but we got to understand the levels of this because every believer, do I have any believers in the house tonight? I'm, I'm getting ready to teach you some things. Every believer has the power to cast out a devil. I know some of y'all like, if you go to casting out devils, pastor, I'm out. Uh, I should be able to say, tag, you're it, I'm tired, and you do it. Every believer in this room, every believer in this room, every believer in this room has the power to cast out a devil. I know that we don't like talking about it, we don't wanna fool with it, but every believer has the authority to remove demons from a person that has been demonized. Um, you don't have to have a Dracula cross, you don't need to sprinkle water, um, you, don't, you don't need any of that kind of stuff, you don't need one of those gigantic Bibles that weigh 10 pounds. All you do is stand there flat-footed in the name that is above every other name and you command the joker, the devil, to come out. It's that simple. You've been given power to do that. The kingdom functions by authority. The second level of demonic activity is doctrines of devils. Um, this is doctrines of devils. When, when we talk about doctrines, we're talking about mindsets, philosophies, teachings, um, that contradict the word of God. 
that get into the human psyche. It, 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 it's, it's beyond just, I've got a demon. I, I now ascribe to a way of life. I'm now in alignment with a belief system that is contrary to the word of God. And so what you got to understand about the second level, the doctrines of devils, is that this level of warfare cannot be, it's not to be dealt with by every believer in a one-on-one, -on -one, but this level is meant to be dealt with by the five-fold ministry, which means you need an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, or an evangelist that has a mantle on their life, but not only a mantle on their life, because there's a lot of preachers that will not confront the stuff. You got to have the mantle, but you also got to have the guts to send some things out into the airwaves that's not going to be popular, that's not going to get you a bigger following, that's going to make some of the people you pastor mad. Because truth is, some of the people you pastor are also in alignment with belief systems sometimes that are contrary to the word of God. And you've got to stand there flat-footed and preach and put that stuff out in the atmosphere until the anointing starts causing that mindset to crumble so that they can come into alignment with the Word of God. God, give us some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, some teachers, some evangelists. Not, you can't confront that with a Gomer Pyle or a Barney Fife. You've got to have some backbone. You gotta be willing to say some stuff that makes some people squirm in their seat, but not back up from it, but just get on in there a little deeper. Come on, somebody. Keep saying it until something shifts. The third level, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm trying to hurry. The third level is principalities over territories. This is when there is people who have, um, not only have they been demonized or come into alignment, with teachings and philosophies, but now they have joined themselves with other people that think like they do. Um, and, and what I'm trying to say, when you, when, you talk, when you read about the principalities, it talks about them being territorial spirits over specific regions. And so um, every region doesn't have the same principality or the same territorial spirit. I can name popular cities right now in our nation, and if I mentioned their name, I'm not gonna do that tonight, by the way. If I said the name, you would immediately identify the dominant spirit over that city. Why? Because you got demonized people that have come into agreement and mindsets that is contrary to the will of God, and it's not a handful, it's a multitude of people that believe the same way, and now we've given principalities safe space to do whatever it is they wanna do. But I'm saying that this, this region is not gonna be a safe space for principalities to cause us to be drug addicted, to have teenage pregnancy at a high rate, come on somebody, to have high school dropout. No, 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 we come against that spirit. We come against that principality. I, now watch this, let me give this to you real quick and then we're gonna get to Acts 16. Level one, level one, when I talked about a person being demonized, at level one, the goal of the enemy, put that back up there, the goal of the enemy is the human soul. The human soul. In other words, 
at level one, when a person is demonized, what the, what the enemy wants to do is he wants your soul to become vexed. And what does it mean to be vexed? It means that you become, you lose joy. It means that you become depressed. You, you are filled with anxiety. And, and God has given you so much life in your soul, but, but you can't even see the life God has given you. You, you, you kind of going through the motions when you're vexed in your spirit. And, and now you're like, I, I, you know, I used to just really love my kids, but, uh, I'm not happy with my kids no more. And I'm not happy with my marriage no more. And I'm not happy with my job no more. I'm not happy with my church no more. I didn't say that, did I? But, but we get vexed and now we're not happy happy with anything when we should be waking up. If you're a believer, you should wake up every day saying, God, thank you. You gave breath in my lungs today. I'm on my feet today. I'm still married today. I still got kids today. They didn't fire me at work yet. Come on, we got something to give God praise for. But when you're vexed, you can't see it. Second level, the goal of the enemy is the human psyche. All right, so this is beyond just being vexed and depressed and anxious, but now I'm messed up in my thinking. Now I'm in alignment with things that are contrary to the will of God, and if they preach against it, I'm probably, instead of getting free, I'm probably going to get mad. Level three, I'm moving on. Level three, the principalities over territories. This is when your soul is already vexed, the psyche's in agreement with the doctrines of devils, and now you've got a number of people alongside you that feel the same way you do. Um, individuals are, are vexed, they're struggling, but they're also connected with other people that are struggling like they are. I wanna say this, um, what we do here at Bethesda Church has a lot more importance than what some of us think it has. Um, probably even more important than what any of us know at times because when, when I became pastor here 14 years ago, I knew that there would have to be some barriers we would need to break. I knew there were some walls that needed to come down. I, I knew that there was some things we would need to break through. Uh, and because of that, uh, how many, we're not here tonight because we're bored. I lost half of you. I, so, so let's get to this. I, I had to set all that up because in Acts 16, you should go home and do a study of Acts 16 when you get time. In Acts chapter 16, there are three spirits that we see manifesting there. And I believe that God has sent me here tonight with the assignment that we are to bring these things that we are to drive them out. The first one is the spirit of Python. In Acts 16, if you read the whole chapter, Paul and his crew, they were actually for, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in a specific area by the Holy, the Holy Ghost literally forbade them, said you're not allowed to go there. How many of God will tell you what doors to go through and what doors not to go through? And, and so he said, don't go there. And so they listened. But in the meantime, Paul had a vision. And it's where we um, talk about the Macedonian call. In the vision, Paul sees a man in a city begging for help. 
And so they get on a boat, they set sail, and they're on their way to Macedonia. And one of the major cities there is a city by the name of Philippi. And so he gets there and they meet a lady by the name of Lydia. I, I need you to follow me tonight. Everybody say Lydia. She was a rich lady who basically, and some of the women are going to love Lydia, basically made designer clothes out of purple cloth. All right? She had her own Louis Vuitton shop. I, I can just picture this, that as people would see somebody really dressed to the nine, had their game together, is it their drip together? Is that it? My boys are like, don't do this. All right. <laughs> That people would stop and say, oh, is that a Lydia you're wearing? Do you have Lydia on? And so they, they meet her and they share the gospel with her. And, and this rich lady with this business, um, she gives her life to Christ. But the Bible says she constrained them to come to her house. So, so it's, it's, she's saved. Now I need you to come to my house. They get there and then everybody in her household, and the indicator is that um, not only her household, but even the employees, like everybody connected to Lydia got saved and baptized. Anybody ready to see a move of God like that? All of them got saved. All right, now watch this. That, that's the first thing. They leave Lydia's house and they're going to pray but when they're going to pray, the Bible says there was a young girl, some translations say a damsel is the word used, um, who had a spirit of divination. And the word divination in Greek is the word from which we get python, as in reference to the python snake. You have to remember, again, the serpent was more subtle than all the beasts in the field that God had made. But this damsel follows them and as she follows them, we read it, she keeps saying for days on end, these men are great men of God. These men, come and listen to them. They are great men of God. And this goes on for days. Remember, the serpent is subtle. Some people would love to have somebody running around following their ministry saying, hey, this is a great man of God. This is a great woman of God. But something did not set right with Paul. It actually, some translations say, it annoyed him. Now, the relig religious folk, I don't know if the religious crowd is ready for Holy Ghost Church. Because Holy Ghost Church is Oh, isn't she so sweet? She's talking about how great these men of God are, how wonderful the men of God are. But Paul is so annoyed in his spirit that he turns and looks at the woman that everybody thinks is sweet and just a team player, and he looks at her and says, devil, get out. Are y'all sure you want Holy Ghost Church? Because when you have Holy Ghost Church, you're going to look at some people that everybody thinks is cool and you're going to speak to the devil on the inside of them and all the religious people are going to say, I can't believe you're doing that. Oh yeah, we're going to do it. If you really want a revival to hit this place, then we, we got to be willing to speak to things that are not in alignment. I love this story. The Bible says the devil came out of her. 
And, and I want you to get this. The enemy can fool many people because they use, they allow religious verbiage to get into their head and they don't have enough sense to know that even though what she's saying is true, she's saying these are men of God. If you're a music person, it's like she's singing, but she's singing in the wrong key. Everybody else heard, these are great men of God. Paul heard, that's a devil talking. That, listen, when you've really got the Holy Ghost, some people will do something that a lot of people will think is spiritual, but it, it bounces off your spirit in the wrong way. You're like, that, that ain't God. I don't know what just happened, but that ain't God. And so um, the Bible says he cast the devil out of the young girl, but the masters were so upset, get this, because she was making them a fortune. This woman was so good at divination that everybody had her 1-800 number. Everyone was paying to get advice from this lady. And she was making people tons of money. And I just wanna hit the spirit of divination even though I'm not really hitting it tonight, but how depressed do you have to be to be opening up a newspaper every week trying to find your horoscope to get advice? How depressed do you gotta be to be doing that? Just go to the store, buy yourself a bag of fortune cookies and keep opening until you find the one you want. Same difference. The serpent's subtle. He seeks to grab hold of a weakness in us, put a hook in us, and then start pulling us around. The python snake is different than all the other snakes because the python does not have venom. He doesn't bite you. The python waits until you are at rest. And when you're at rest, he circles you, and then he begins to constrict you. And by the time you realize what's happening in the case of a python, by the time you realize what's happening, all the breath is out of you. The python kills you by suffocating you, by taking the breath out of you. I'm going somewhere, church. The reason we want and have always desired a church of participation is not because we are all bored and we don't have anything else to do. No, we are trying to break the spirit of Python that wants to suffocate the people of God and take the breath away from them. You can see this spirit in action when you show up in a church and you can preach for 60 minutes and not hear one amen. You can find this in a season in a church when worship is going on that people look like they are bored to death and they stand there with their hands in their pocket looking at their watch thinking that I'm just concerned about a ball game. No, it's not that you're just concerned about a ball game. You got the spirit of Python circled around you and he has suffocated you and he's taken the breath, the Holy Ghost, out of you. See, when that spirit gets a hold of people, they think praise is an option. You could go home on that. They think praise is an option or praise is a style. That's how you know the python spirit has shown up. 
We got Bible for why we praise like we praise. Because certain things can only be done in certain atmospheres. And God prefers some atmospheres over others. And the atmosphere of praise says, God, God says, I will make my habitation in the midst of your prey. In other words, I will leave the worship in heaven and come to where you're at when you're offering up praise. In other words, I, I'll show up in a way that I wouldn't show up otherwise. Now watch this. I don't come to church. A, a lot of people, now watch, watch this one point. A python will come when you're at rest when you're asleep. What's the circle? And some people are spiritually asleep. They're spiritually at rest. I've even had people come and say, pastor, I need a break. I need to take a rest. It's like, you're not taking a rest from your job. You're not taking a rest from your marriage, but you need a rest from church. I need a, and, and you say, why do you bring that? Because some of the people that say, I need a rest, once they go on their rest, I don't see them no more. See, I, I don't come to church to rest. Um, I actually come to church to be active. I come to church to make a little noise. I come to church if I need to to run a lap. I may run a lap before the night's over. I come to church and if I need to, I'm going to lay in the floor. I came to church to do something. It's why we pray for a move of God. We don't pray for a statue of God. We pray for a move of God. And God says, if you'll move, I'll move. Keep sitting there like a knot on a log and see how God moves for you. I promise you, your life will look the same a year from now. I'm not praying for the statue of God. I'm praying for a move of God. It's not the still of God. It's the move of God. That spirit's got to go. Everybody say, that spirit's got to go. Second one, spirit of containment. This, this spirit wants to put a lid on everything. <laughs> Man, I'm so mad right now at the devil. It, it wants to contain you. It wants to tell you, you can accomplish this much, but no further. You can have this much territory, but no more. If you could get a picture of maybe that fenced-in backyard, the enemy will come and say, as long as you stay in the yard and play nice, you can have that much. That's how much you can have. The spirit of containment is the cousin to the spirit of Python. I'm still in Acts 16, in case you're wondering. The Python spirit led them to the marketplace where both Paul and Silas, they take a beating, and then they are placed in prison, literally placed in prison. This spirit of containment thinks that it will contain them. This, you have to understand that evil spirits work in tandem. They work as a team. In other words, they are organized against your life. They work together. This is why churches oftentimes struggle because you cannot defeat an organized kingdom with a disorganized church. Look at Luke 11. You all know this verse. Luke 11, starting to 24. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man... 
he goes through dry places seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house from which I came. Watch this. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and he takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even the kingdom of darkness works together, is organized. The spirit of Python and the spirit of containment working together. And, and basically what happened is, is at this point, Python realized, I don't have any authority in Paul's life, so the spirit of containment showed up. And this spirit says, hey, hey, Paul, you've gone too far. Some of you need to know you've been real successful and the devil has made you feel that's the level of success that you will have to enjoy. You can go no further, but I came to announce to the devil, there will be no spirit of containment over your life. I don't care how great it's been. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are still in front of you. Don't allow the devil to hen you in to a backyard mentality of don't come past here. Don't jump the fence. I came, I, I say not even jump the fence. Let's storm the gates. Come on, somebody. Let's do what God has called us to do. Don't allow a spirit of containment to box you in. And, and for those of you that are under attack, you say, it just seems like I'm under attack. I'm under attack. That is an indicator that you're about to take new ground. And, and you say, well, Pat, how do I deal with a spirit that I feel I've been battling and it just keeps pushing on me and pushing on me and pushing on me? Well, here's one thing I can promise you that you, you can't do, and that is be quiet. And, and I'm, I'm not just saying this because it preaches good. I'm saying that when the enemy is pushing on us, the temptation is to sit there with our head down and be quiet. We get in the molly grubs. We start complaining. If we do say anything, it's complaints. Even the secular world will tell you that if you are in a dark parking lot by yourself and you're trying to get in your car and someone comes to mug you, we come to church and here's all we got. I bet you if you're the last car to leave tonight and somebody comes up here in one of them masks out there by your car, you ain't going to be going. You're going to make some noise. You're going to throw a fit. You might throw a tantrum. You're going to make, you're, how many are you going to do something? It's kind of like, uh, the, you, you know, the saying a bear, if you see a bear in the woods, you're supposed to like get in a fetal position and play dead. I don't have that. I don't have it. Um, I don't have that. Like, <laughs> really? I'm going to lay here in a ball. The first time he'd done that, <laughs> I'd be out of my mind. So I'm supposed to lay here in a ball and let it eat my head. No, I don't have that. And I'm going to find a rock. I'm going to find a branch. I'm going to scream, Karen! I, she ain't going to be in the woods, but I ain't going to be in the woods. 
And if I am in the woods, I'm going with somebody slower than me because then I know I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun them. Then we're good. That's how we handle that. The python and containment. Y'all with me? Y'all, I've lost you now. They end up in prison, but if you have God's presence on your life and you got one person that'll agree with you, any two people coming together as to touching any one thing, it's going to be, in other words, if God's presence is on your life and you can find one person to agree with you, the devil cannot keep you locked up. He cannot keep you contained. Paul and Silas took a beating, a beating. They are in prison and they didn't even complain. They didn't say, I can't believe y'all are treating us this way. They didn't complain about it. They didn't become the victim. Every time we try to do something for the Lord, we just come under attack, bless God. I've ne if you want to meet victims, just come to church. Most victimized people I ever met sit up in church and praise the Lord and sing. And, but if you get them one-on-one, -on -one, oh, devil's on my back. Has he ever been off your back? I may have spent too long with this word today, Pastor Jay. Next time I say I'm going in at 10, say, no, wait a couple more hours. Get, get closer to church time. Um, the spirit of containment will... I, I love it because... Paul and Silas started singing. It makes no sense at all. They're singing praises. Some of us, we had a meal today. We drove to church. We went to a job and clocked out of the job. and We didn't have very much praise like that. They, they'd been beat half to death, locked in a dungeon, and decided at midnight, we're going to sing praise. And... To break the spirit of containment, you're going to have to be willing to make some noise because the Bible says that they sang loud enough that everybody in the jailhouse could hear them. In other words, if I can't hear it, it's not a praise. If I can't hear it, it's not a clap. If I can't hear it, it's, it's not a song. That it, there has to be some noise. The thing that is trying to contain you cannot contain you if you will re release a praise in the middle of that containment. And, and we just need some people that instead of coming in with their head down and, and feeling like life's just too hard, we need some people that have made up their mind that I'll release a praise in the middle of this containment. I refuse to be blocked. I refuse to be stopped. I refuse to live stuck. I'm not staying like this. I'm going to praise my way out. I'm getting there. Hit your neighbor and say, he's about done. Paul and Silas were basically saying, hey, the same God that removed that demon from the girl a little bit ago, it's the same God that's going to swing wide these prison doors. I mean, some of you just need to remind the, the devil 
sometimes of everything God has done for you. When he shows up, you, you may need to say, maybe you forgot how God saved me when I didn't deserve to be saved. Maybe you forgot the miracles I've seen in my life. Maybe you forgot how he healed my body. Maybe you forgot what he did in my marriage. Maybe you forgot how he gave me the promotion at work when I was underqualified. Maybe you forgot about the open doors God has given me. Sometimes you just got to remind the devil of all the things God has done for you. And if he saw you through the last time, he's going to see you through this time. Come on, make a little noise in the house. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. The last one. Before I give you that, y'all remember when David brought the Ark of the Covenant back? Do you remember how he took his crown off and his robe off and got down in his underwear? You, you got to pick. He took off. He took off his royal robes, his crown, his status. He's the king, by the way. A lot of status he's taken off. A lot of position he's taken off. And he danced himself. He looked, his wife was so frustrated because he danced so crazy in front of the thousands of people, the king in his underwear. She's mad. She's mad. And she said, I can't believe you acted that silly today. Basically what she said, you act so silly. And he said, woman, by the way, that's not a good thing to do. Don't say woman. But he said, you ain't seen nothing yet. I'll get even more undignified than this. A lot of people read past this, but his wife, because she criticized his praise and would not do it herself, the Bible says that she was stricken barren from that day forth. In other words, she could never give birth to her promise because she was too dignified to, to release a praise because she was worried about what people would think about her. Listen, if you don't praise God and you're afraid to take a lap or lay in the floor or cry or shout because you're worried about what people are thinking about you, then we've already identified the problem. You thinking people are thinking about you. Nobody's thinking about you. You ought to give your God a praise because he's worthy. Because he's good. Doesn't matter what anybody thinks of you. Go ahead. Worship team, y'all better get back up here. I don't know if I can land this plane. Y'all can stand. I'll, I'll, I'm going to hurry. Come on, high, give some air high five. Anybody feel a little stirring tonight? Feel a little stirring tonight. So you got Spirit of Python, he got to go. Containment, gots to go. I, I refuse to live underneath somebody's lid. The last spirit in Acts 16 is the spirit of withholding. This one's a little tough because you can apply this however you want to apply it, but the spirit of withholding, this spirit wants me to believe that I have a right to hold on to what belongs to God. 
Genesis 22 is a great example when God tells Abraham, I want you to bring the promise to me and I want you to put him on the altar. This promised son, I want you to bring him and put him on the altar. And you, you all know the story, Abraham in obedience. As hard as that was, he took his son up on the altar. He's ready to, to do it. And we know the story God provided. And, but what we read right past sometimes is the Bible tells us that God honored Abraham because he did not withhold. Psalms 84 says, God will withhold no good thing from those who walk uprightly. See, this spirit is the one that makes it unpopular for a preacher to place a demand on the people. I can't believe he placed that kind of demand on us. I, I could preach a message on, y'all know me. I've been doing this almost 14 years as a pastor. I'm not afraid of topics. If, it's, if it says it, Genesis all the way to the maps, I believe it. And, and so I'm going to come in here once a year and spend a series on generosity and tithing. Not because I'm trying to trick you. I've never tricked anybody out of anything, ever. I can honestly, I've never tricked anybody out of anything. But I do know that the tithe belongs to God. And that I'm, I'm held accountable for teaching and preaching that. But this spirit will cause you to think, I have a right to hold on to what belongs to God. And it's not just, not just the tithe. We just talked about praise. You should come to church with a praise to offer. How can you sit there and withhold it? How can you withhold praise? How, how can you feel entitled that I can hold on to something that belongs to God? I could go down a list, serving. Why are you withholding your serve? Every person that loves Jesus should serve. See, that whole praise thing in my brain, we, woo! I got to that serve thing. I, you just hit it, you hit that wall. If it belongs to God, we ought to be willing to give it. The Bible says, Paul and Silas, they came out of that jail. And the Bible says that not only did God break the chains on them, but it says that it broke the chains off of every prisoner in the jail. See, when you break the spirit of Python and the spirit of containment and the spirit of withholding, listen, you're not only gonna come out but everybody connected to you is gonna come out. Everybody connected to you is going to come out. I'm telling even the people that talked about you, they're gonna to have to come out. I love this because the jailer we read about, he's put in charge, watch this, and he's told Pastor Jay, keep him in. That's his only job. His only job, keep him in. And in Roman times, if you had the job of keeping them in and they got free, it was punishable by death. 
And so when God moved through the praises and all the chains were broken and he's running around like, oh no, I'm in trouble. The Bible says he took his own sword and he was going to kill himself because he knew what was about to happen. Get this. Paul said, hey, we, we didn't go anywhere. We're still here. And the guy says, what must I do to be saved? Right there on the spot, this guy gets saved. Couple verses later, guess whose house Paul and Silas are sitting at? The jailer's house. The one who was designed to keep them in prison has now got them at his house and everybody in his house got saved and he's now feeding them a meal. I came by to tell Bethesda Church that tonight God is looking for some people that are so full of the Holy Ghost that every demon that has been assigned to this region, the Python spirit, the spirit of containment, the spirit of withholding, that it's got to go in the name of Jesus. Come on church, if you believe that tonight, come on, give him a praise right there. Come on, release it. Come on, release a praise in the house. Come on, press in. Press in. That's the other thing God wants me to tell you. This thing's got to move beyond the platform. And it's got to get into the seats. It's got to get into the seats so that it can eventually get into the streets. The move of God is, is what, again, it's a move of God, not a statue of God. It's a move of God. I just hear, I don't, I don't know who it's for, but somebody apparently needs a breakthrough. But I just heard the Holy Ghost tell me to tell somebody, you need to do something you don't, you don't normally do. One, two, three, go, I guess. Whatever that looks like, you need to do it. Whatever that looks like, you need to do it. Come on, church, lift your hands right there. Lift your hands right there. I just want to obey God. I need some prayer people, some staff. I want to come down here for just a moment. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Church, stretch your hands this way. We're going to believe for healing right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you that your word, God, has found fertile ground tonight. And God, all it takes is the name of Jesus. Father, right now, we declare him to be healed 
from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. We speak that his body come into alignment with your word in the name of Jesus. We declare, Father, that he is whole, he is healed, he is set free. We come against every spirit that has been assigned to his life. We take authority over it in Jesus' name and we declare, Father, God, that this MRI will change. God, that they will see that you have moved, that you have performed a miracle, that you have healed. In the name of Jesus, we call it into alignment that by your stripes, we are healed. In Jesus' name. 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 In the name of Jesus, we declare him healed. We declare him whole. In the name of Jesus. Let it be done unto him according to his faith. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can you give God a praise like it's your your healing, your breakthrough? Listen, listen. If you feel that the spirit of Python has squeezed you and you've lost your breath in this season, or you feel that you've been contained in this season, like a lid has been over your life, or that you have battled with a spirit of withholding that which belongs to God, I'm opening up this altar right now. It's time for us to respond. How many wanna see revival hit this region? Then we gotta tell these spirits to go in the name of Jesus. Give him a praise right now. Give him a praise right now. You guys go ahead.
church. God is moving in this place. I, I want to say a couple things. Um, what I preached about is happening. Um, people are being filled with the Holy Spirit. Evil spirits have to go, and that's happening. Come on, y'all. It's, it's part of it. Listen, church, you need to hear me. When real revival shows up, it, it's messy. Is that all right? But how many know that freedom, freedom is what it's all about. And he whom the Son sets free is free indeed. If you need filled with the Holy Spirit, I think we've had a couple people filled, but if you need filled, come on forth. We wanna pray with you.
Keep worshiping, church. We had about five people filled with the Holy Spirit up here. Come on, give God praise.
Let's take it up right here.
How many know that God is worthy tonight? Do you know that he's worthy? I found myself last week in praying and this hadn't really happened to me in a long time, but while praying around this auditorium, I, I just kept coming back to the kingdom and alignment and order. And, and it's just like I, I had a spirit of prayer. And with that being said, I, I think God is, is bringing a lot of things into alignment to make sure that we are becoming the church that we are called to be. And that is a place of healing. Matter of fact, if you need healed in your physical body, maybe it's a back, a shoulder, a knee, maybe you ought to try to do something you couldn't. A lot of the people in the Bible were healed as they moved, as they put faith and action together. And I'm believing for my brother right here that we're gonna see a miracle. I'm believing we're gonna see the full manifestation. I think you ought to give, give God a shout on his behalf right now. Just faith in the room. I said tonight that a lot of times we talk about revival and today in my preparation to church, my eight or nine hours with God, I really was challenged about revival because I know that when a true spirit of revival hits a region, it's gonna be messy. And when I say messy, I, I mean messy. I mean, it's, it's messy when prostitutes and drug addicts and come on, and all those people are getting saved. And not only is that that messy, but how many know when you gotta start casting the devils out and discipling them and helping them put their life back together and how many know it's going to take some grace it's going to take an anointing to do that but i believe god is positioning us in this season for a true spirit of revival how many are believing that the spirit of python containment and withholding we're driving those bad boys out of here come on give him a big praise tonight I want to celebrate all of you that were baptized in the Holy Spirit tonight. Come on, church. Give it up for them. So good. Are you glad you came to First Wednesday tonight? Amen. Love on some people. Give some fist bumps. I hope to see you Sunday. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for listening today. If you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can go to BethesdaChurch.tv give. We'll catch you on the next episode, and we hope you have a great day.